Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Princess Dajurai Johnson. Princess Dajurai Johnson is a writer, director, producer, actor, living on the traditional territories of the lower Tanana Diné lands in Alaska. She is humbled to build upon the work of so many indigenous creatives that have helped break trail for authentic representation in media. She is a Sundance Film alum and Neo Tarot Storytelling Fellow, an Emmy-nominated writer and former creative producer for the Peabody award-winning PBS kids series, Molly of Denali. Her short Greenwich language film, The Actinite Nitrata, was named one of the brightest starts at the Imagine Native Film Festival and can be viewed at reciprocity.org. She is currently in development for her first feature-length film through her production company, Dinadier Productions. Princess, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast. It's really great to have you here. Must say, I'm really excited to be speaking with you. Oh, I'm excited about I'm excited for this. Absolutely. Uh would you be able to uh, introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and where you're from. Sure. Shalaknai, um, my relatives. Shosri Dajrayoji, Netzaik, which in Ethlitz, Ashkenazi Jewish Ethli. Shiahanai Catherine's, Stephen Peter Oji, Gavakwa. Shiti Ernest, Rebaf Oji, Gavakwa, Shahan Atline. Uh, Rayboff, um, um, Shiginai, um, Katsaya, Alzak, Delnor, um, and Shakite James, um, and Tanan Guchi, uh, Jikdrin Chidri Osho Ithli. Um, so I just introduced myself, um, in my Guchin language, which I am an adult learner of. I've been um, working on learning the language for a number of years now. Um, I grew up hearing it, but not speaking it. Um, so my name is Princess Dajrai Johnson. I am Netzaiguchin on my mother's side and Ashkenazi Jewish on my father's side. I live here in Tanan or Fairbanks, Alaska and lower Tanana Diné lands with my husband, James, and my kids, um, Alzak, Katsaya, and Delnor. And um, I said, which means uh, today my heart is happy. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, before we jump into uh, the questions, um, could you talk a little bit about uh, the work that you do? Because um, it's it's quite a range. Yeah. Um, so I am feel like I always say, like, I'm like all the hyphenates. Um but I think like when I think about work, I really think about the contributions that we make as human beings, um, which is manifold. Like it, it, it looks like many things to many different people. Um, and so I just always like to take a moment to like, just to acknowledge and to consider that um, we contribute every single day in many ways. And that might be smiling at a stranger or, you know, working on our beadwork or talking to an elder or reading a book or, you know, there's many ways that we can, we contribute um, to this life. And um, 
and I would say part of my work as a storyteller um, has um, been in in acting, on stage, in film, voiceover work, in writing, in animation, in producing, in directing, and these many in poetry, like the realms of storytelling. And I feel very fortunate and blessed that I get to do that um, as my full-time work. Uh, who are your biggest influences, uh, both early on and growing up and currently today? I think my biggest influences were definitely my my parents. Um, from a really young age, I remember my my mom and dad just being really creative. My dad was a writer and an artist and really encouraging me to sit down and like do my watercoloring or my drawing every day. And then he would ask me like to give the description, to tell the story of what I drew. And then he would write down verbatim, like what I said. Um, and my mom would do these big like paper machés or just, you know, she would sew my clothes or make me the doll that looked like me, you know, with her hands. And so just, witnessing that um for me that made a big impression impression on me is that we are partially the creators of our environments and you know certainly you know as as um well not only as as parents but just in our daily interactions we have we really do carry within us this ability to to create, you know, what we want to see in the world and how we want to experience this world. Um, so, and then I would say my, you know, my grandmother, who was the matriarch of our family, I remember like her waking up early and literally like reading the English dictionary. And she, she was, um, she wrote the first dictionary in our, which in language, and she did all this language work. And she was a very like complex character, um, and kind of intense woman, you know, I think a lot of the, the aunties and the matriarchs from our family are like that, our native women. Um, and it can be very, you know, um, complex and intense and, but, but so hardworking. Um, and then I would say there were other women in my community that, you know, and I grew up in the eighties and nineties that I really looked to them for how they walked in this world. And, um, just with a sense of, of real like groundedness and like pride, because during that time period in Alaska in the eighties and nineties, there was so much rate uh, there continues to be, but there was so much, um, racism and prejudice and like, just, you felt invisible. Like I felt invisible as an Alaska native, um, young girl at that time, and even to my teens, twenties in my own, you know, home state. Um, so these women in, in our community that were like reaching out and making space to learn our traditional skills or to encourage, um, young people to, um, you know, making these kind of, these opportunities, these path learning opportunities and pathways, like those were the people that I really looked up to. It's, it's, it's interesting hearing you describe this, um, you know, cause I, I grew up in South Dakota um, on a 
on the reservation, but, you know, mixed in with the community, it was, um, uh, both, uh, natives and non-natives and that invisibility you talk about. Um, I, I can relate to that. And I think many listeners can relate to that as well. Yeah. I mean, I had a really, tr- I want to, I, 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 I feel like it's really important to share. Like I had a really, you know, I, I, my parents ended up, you know, separating and divorcing, um, when I was young. So I was like eight years old and my mom was a single mom and we were in Alaska at that time. And I just had a really transient childhood and, you know, never went to a school for more than two years was always was super shy, just felt, you know, definitely ended up feeling shame about being Alaska native because of how we were treated. And then what I was witnessing um, in my own family in terms of drug and alcohol abuse. And just, you know, it was the eighties, like people were just like partying pretty hard. And, you know, I had no, um, no idea of the history of what my family had been through, what my mother had been through. And I wouldn't learn about that until I started really maturing. And I would say like junior high school, you know, when I first asked my mom, Hey, why didn't you, why do you speak which in and all the, everyone speaks which in grandma wrote the dictionary and none of us are, you did not teaching us. And that's when she told me she was sent to boarding school when she was five and, and, and hit for speaking which in. And so, you know, these are the histories that, you know, our generation, like this younger generation, I feel like they're coming up with like a lot more, right. Of exposure and knowledge and education about these things. But and this is really a product of more recent, you know, years. Um, but for us, we kind of had to dig around, right? And we kind of had to ask those questions to get to, you know, those dynamics of like why things are the way they are. Um, I mean, we didn't even know. I didn't even know that term. Um, this historical trauma term was something that came about, you know, more recently. Um in the, whatever, you know, may have been around, but like, it, it wasn't something, a term that I grew up with. And not only that, but, um, there was so much f- shame and like fear and taboo about talking about some of these histories. People didn't even want to talk about it. So again, I just feel like, uh, I'm so grateful that we're at this place where, people have so much more, our people, indigenous people have an understanding of these true histories now and that we continue to share that out because um, as one of, you know, one of the elders that I work with, you know, he said, you know, we have to understand these true histories because only when we know the true history can we heal from that true history. And then once we heal from that, then we can create the new. And we make those new pathways forward that are strong, you know, and, and based in that, that good place of, of doing all that healing work. Everything you just said, um, it, it, it tracks with, um, my relationship with my father as well. Um, you know, my, both my folks, uh, speak the Dakota language. Uh, my, my dad was a fluent speaker, um, and I grew up in and around that language, but I never spoke it myself. And I asked him the same thing on, on why I wasn't taught the language. 
well, he went to boarding school and he was abused for uh, speaking his language by the nuns. And um, it's just, you know, hearing, hearing your story. Um, I, I think it's something that um, as member of the same generation, you know, it's, it's something that uh, we, we can relate to in such a way, even though we're thousands of miles apart. Um, it, it, gets me stuck on maybe a, a broader conversation that needs to be, to be happening also, which is happening, but I mean, not in this space, but yeah. How have, how have you developed your career, uh, both in college and post-college? Um, well, I mean, part, it's an interesting question because, you know, again, and, and we can't, we can't talk about, I feel like our lives and especially like our generation without, talking about the history of assimilation without talking about the expectations from our own communities and how those have changed or evolved over time. And again, now in like high school, um, I would say in the nineties, you know, early nineties, I heard a lot of, oh, you need to like go to college and then like come back and work for your tribe. Um, and, or take over the Alaska native corporation, like go work for the Alaska native corporation, which in my region, you know, is Doyon, but that's like a whole other, you know, that's a whole other can of worms and political landscape, but also this assumption that you're going to climb some sort of corporate ladder maybe, or like you're going to be on this rung of like, you know, and, um, because I had grown up, as I said, single mom, really transient, you know, we, we were in the projects, you know, there was times that there wasn't a lot of food. And so, and even when my father was around, you know, he was an artist, I just associated art with poverty. And if you've ever really struggled in life, especially like as a child, like I did, um, then you don't ever want to be in those circumstances, you know? And I mean, there was a time where I remember we ended up like sleeping out of a van for like a week or something like that. And it's, you don't want to be in that circumstance, you know? And that made a big impact on me. And so I was like, well, I better go become a, tribal lawyer, like get that, the, get a good job so that I'm not in this circumstance ever again. And so for a long time, I thought, oh, I am, I'm going to like get my undergraduate degree and then um, go to law school and become a tribal lawyer, come back and work for my tribe in that regard. And um, it wasn't until um, now, mind you, while every fiber of my being was like, you're an artist, <laughs> you love, you love poetry, you love, you know, film, you love all these other things. But I was like, that's not practical. You know, that's like, that is, you know, again, and this is like the, the societal pressure on us and the expectations, you know, and my own fear of being in a place I didn't want to be. And um, I went to school, undergrad school at the George Washington University. I, it's a long story, but I ended up graduating from Norman High School in Norman, Oklahoma, because my mom was going to the University of Oklahoma, which was like a whole like culture shock when I went there for my senior year of high school. I did like a college fair thing and um, 
I ended up only applying to one school. I had, they made us apply for the, the University of Oklahoma. And then I, I went to this college fair and um, I wanted to study international relations for undergrad because I had a big interest in, in, inter, in the internet, the world. And I knew I wanted to like study abroad at some point. So I ended up studying, um, applying to the George Washington University and the University of Oklahoma. Thankfully, I got into both schools, <laughs> but a scholarship for the George Washington University, um, and which was a wild, another wild ride because I was like one of maybe two or three um, Native American students at the school. And it was like me and I actually, um, Kathy, Kathy Baird, who just um, used to work at Nike and now is working, I believe, for the Washington Post, and which is crazy. So she and I were two students there. And there was another, oh my God, another sister who is um, Cochiti Pueblo. And I'm like forgetting her name right now. But like, that was it. That was like three of us. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I... I, it, but through the course of my college education, probably around my, my junior year, I started realizing like, I, I'm really interested in the arts. Like, I don't see myself going to, you know, going to law school. Like, I don't think that's the path for me. And so by my senior year, I really started looking more at like, how am I going to make this transition into doing more storytelling? You know, whether that's like acting, filmmaking, writing, I, I didn't know, you know? And so I would say my pathway, um, has been so circuitous and, you know, a lot of times I didn't know what I was going to do, or I didn't even know what the hell I was doing, but like, I did my best to like, you know, I volunteered at a film festival. I, I volunteered, um, um, right when I was graduating, it was like after I graduated, um, GW at the Smithsonian in New York for that film festival, that American Indian film festival they had up there. Um, I met Heather Ray, who was working for Sundance at that time, and she was so encouraging. And she told me about this great program that they were starting, which was the Native um, Film Program at Sundance, and ended up um, sending in my idea for this film and just some of the um, this uh, beginning kind of premise of this script that I would later write. And ended up being selected and attending the first ever Native Lab um, at Sundance. And that really marked my, my pathway into this world of, of filmmaking. I, I'd like to go back. I, just... feel, I feel like that was really long-winded answer. <laughs> But I also feel like it was like important to kind of like, you know, I just think that it wasn't a straightforward path for me. I just think it's important to just know, like, there were so many bumps in the road and like, you know, your 20s, like you're just trying to like find yourself and like figure out like, and we're still, I mean, I'm 49 now. I feel like I, I struggle with this term adult, like sometimes, <laughs> like, do I really like, am I really, I don't know. I'm like, it is a practice and it's a constant journey. That's what I got to say about that. Hmm. I, I actually know. So your answer was perfect. Um, I love that. I, I, I would like to go back to uh, maybe that moment or that the series of moments where you were really facing the realization that you weren't on the path that you were on. 
And maybe what was that inciting moment that sort of, you had that realization that, no, I'm, I'm actually going to make this turn into the creative arts. So I think a lot of people, they face those moments, but they maybe feel an obligation to the path they're already on or like their parents pressuring them to continue on that. Um, what, what was maybe those, those series of, of um, realizations or whatnot that really sort of drove you to that point where it was time to, to try something different? I would say when I was probably 15 years old, I went through a, a short, intense period of having suicidal thoughts. And I, I didn't understand like where this like not wanting to be here and this like intense like sadness and pain was coming from. And I think that sense of just feeling invisible, of, of not feeling seen and heard and not understanding what my mother, what my family had been through in like a holistic sense and not having anyone to speak to and process about that. I think as I, as I went through then high school and then college, um, I found healing in, in poetry. I found healing in storytelling. And so the pivotal moment for me was, was recognizing that no one, like we need to make it for ourselves like we need to create this art, like whatever it is, if it's poetry, if it's a novel, if it's, you know, visuals, filmmaking, et cetera, acting, we need to see each other so that the general, like this broader public can like see us and see that we are full human beings that need to be respected. And, and that, you know, we and and as a native woman you know the the sense of like value like valuing myself and fully like loving myself this is all integral to to storytelling and to 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 truly being seen and heard and so i i would say that i'm very sensitive to that pain and and when I examine, and it's a hard thing, right, to talk about suicide, um, when I see that what I went through as a young person and, and what many of my peers and, of and sadly, most of us have lost somebody close to us to suicide, um, you know, I, I see how critical it is that, that we love, that we understand, like, what we've been through, that we love one another and that we are seen and heard in the ways that we want to be seen and heard. Hmm. Sorry about that. This is the sort of no. The rough, that's okay. The, the I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think like you know, I again, like I, I think it's we all struggle, hmm. and I think it's really important to be open and honest about our journeys. 
Oh yeah. Um, you know, yeah. And so like, again, it's like in this, you know, for me, the, the like career path, right. <laughs> um, it is, um, part and parcel to like what I've, I've had to endure, like as a human being, as an indigenous woman, like it's all kind of connected to want to everything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I apologize. I just feel trivial asking about you know, some of these questions. Oh no, it doesn't. Really it's fi- super important. Uh, no, that's totally fine. And however mm-hmm. you want to like, you know, piece it together is good. No, this is perfect. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, you know, early on in uh, your your career, um, and up until now, opportunities present themselves in different ways. Um, would you be able to talk about uh, different opportunities you've had over the years? Um, sure. I mean, I would say you know, Sundance um, was a pivotal experience for me. Um, and now, mind you, this was like back in my like twenties when like this native you know lab was just like first taking off, and really was my film school because I didn't go to film school. And I think being around such a loving, supporting community that was constantly um, assuring us like your stories matter. Like we want the world needs your stories and we want to hear, we want to hear those stories. Um, I think on the other, like, so there's that element of being so supportive. And um, there were some um, opportunities at that time through the Southern California Indian Center that had a program where they were funding some short films that I was able to be a part of that and do my first short film. Um, It's actually like my second um, called Powwow Dreams with uh, Delana Studi and Elena Finney and Ty Defoe and Fanny Cuepo, people that I'm still really close with, close friends with, um, was really special. Um, and, you know, some of these things you, um, you apply, right. I had, oh, I had to apply for all of these things, but um, they were kind of few, there, there weren't, it wasn't like there was like a plethora of opportunities. Like there is now, right. Like this plethora of opportunities, but the other side of that was just like the business was so not for us. It was not diverse. It was not equitable. It was really hard to have that segue into becoming a screenwriter or a director, you know, et cetera. Like you really had to do your best to, you know, find those supportive opportunities and your community that supported you. But I think that, you know, I'm so, it, it, it was, it wasn't like I came out of Sundance and they're like, here's some financing for your feature film. No, I'm still on the pathway now of making my first feature film. And this is like 20 some years later. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is, it, this explosion now of, of, of having these shows that we can look at, right. Rutherford Falls and Res Dogs and like all the indie films that we've seen and content coming out of, you know, um, Canada, like, it's just amazing. It's this beautiful explosion renaissance. And um, it's just, it's so meaningful. And to, to witness um, other people that also, you know, for years now have been working at their craft, um, having these, you know, opportunities and these doors open. And, um, and yeah, so I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) 
no, this is, this is, uh, this is really great. Cause I think, um, you know, like, uh, a lot of young people who are not in California or not in these, um, these, uh, flashpoints of where things are happening right now feel very disconnected if they want to get into film, um, they might not know how that path comes together. And so it's, it's good to hear that. Um, it's, I wouldn't say the small things, but it's individual things that lead to the next, to the next that, and it takes time. It's not something it take- that, oh, please. No. I, yeah. I mean, like it takes time. And also like, thank, you know, with, I have so much also gratitude for, you know, the trailbreakers, like the, you know, people that have been like working and working at like making that the, our pathway easier, right. For us, um, and doing the advocacy, you know, because it, it does take, it takes the trailbreakers, um, things don't just happen right overnight. Um, whether that's in the realm of policymaking or activism or, you know, entertainment industry, education, like whatever it is, you always have those people that, um, were in the trenches that have, that have had to be oftentimes the only indigenous person in the room, you know, and to be at this place where, we're, we're pairing up, we're teaming up, we're a collective coming together and lifting each other up and supporting one another is, is everything. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, th- I think this leads us to um, the, the fifth question of uh, what would you want to say to the 18 to 22 year old listening to this conversation? Shut up and listen. um no I mean like for real like I you know you always I mean maybe all of us feel this way but I mean I wish I would have been able to spend more time with my grandparents I wish that um I spent more time out on the land at that time um not that I don't do that now, but like if I would have, would have been able to do that more with my elders and people that have now, you know, uncles and people that have passed on um, to be patient with yourself, to be more kind to yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and have fun, like really like, <laughs> don't take for granted the, the humor. Don't take for granted the, the times to really feel that joy and have fun. Hmm. I think that's great. Uh, I always carried a lot of guilt with me as a young man, you know, if I wanted to, to have fun, uh, I wouldn't permit myself so much. So I, I carried this guilt with me and I sort of held back quite a bit. Um, no, I think that's great. Uh, so what, what do you have going on right now? What's, what's, what are you currently working on? So, um, I'm really excited because, um, into season four slash five of Molly of Denali. So I'm still, um, you know, as you know, I creative produced that show for the first two seasons and now, um, and, and continue to write for the series and, um, serve as a creative, as an, um, advisor, with the Alaska Native Advisory Group. So I'm 
into my first starting my second script for the show. And then I'm also um, developing my first feature film. And I'm in the Illuminatives Netflix um, producers cohort, which has been incredible. Like, I love all the people that I'm working with. And we just like have been learning so much. Um, and it's really challenged me in a really good way and pushed me, um, as you know, because that's how we've connected um, to get my shit together <laughs> to, um, get my, um, materials together. Um, I finished my outline in December for the entire film. And, um, so I, um, haven't really been like talking publicly about what I'm doing, but I'm doing, um, an adaptation of a book and it's my first feature film. It's going to be totally community based in the Gwich'in language. I couldn't be more, excited about it. Um, I'm also um, a producer on the fourth season of HBO's True Detective. Um, my producing partner on that is Kathy Tugnock-Rexford, who's a dear, dear, dear friend who I've been fortunate to work creatively with on a number of projects now, um, mostly in the theater realm. Um, she's an incredible person and writer and artist. Um, and then yeah. And then I, you know, I, then I just do my best to be a good mom <laughs> to fulfill my role as a daughter and an auntie and, you know, and, uh, you know, I, and, and even though I, I do my best, I, um, trip up sometimes and, um, thankfully I have a, a supportive loving community that shows me grace and we, we stand back up and carry on. And where would the listener be able to find your work? Oh my gosh. I didn't even mention my short. So I did a short um, through um, a, an amazing project. I was a, a part of called reciprocity project. And so reciprocity um, project.org um, you can find my short that just got done doing the film festival circuit. Um, I trade we will walk the trail of our ancestors. Um, that is, uh, in, it was done with, um, if you on YouTube, REI co-op, um, studios, I can send you a link, Joe, to share out. Um, really proud of that film. It's just five minutes. It's all in the Gwich'in language, but it was done, you know, shot during COVID with community. And it's just like, a little piece of our hearts, you know, really trying to show our spiritual connection to the land and animals, which is just, you know, so important and exploring this question of like, what are we passing on? Like, what are we passing on to the next generations? Um, so, oh, and then I'm also, <laughs> and then I also am, I'm doing voiceover. I voice a character on a show called the great North, which is just pure comedy. It's a lot of fun. Um, my character's name is Esther. I actually have to do some records this week. Um, I did a, I did, um, one character on spirit Rangers, which was also super fun. I play a singing porcupine. Um, I never, thank you. <laughs> I love, I mean, I love the show. I love that we have, um, 
all of these shows now for our children, like for, and it's intergenerational. Like really, I always tell people like these shows you think are for kids, but they're so good. They're so educational. Like it's definitely more family, I think oriented. Everybody should be watching Molly of Denali and spirit Rangers for sure. I agree. I agree. We'll uh, put links in the show notes uh, for the listeners to, to find that. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and being a part of this conversation. This, this was really wonderful. Um, you didn't ask me the scary story or the weird story question. Yep. That, I, <laughs> I ask it after this. It gets oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Masicho, thank you so much for having me on. It's been um, such an honor, one, to to work with you creatively and then just to be in conversation with you. Masi. Oh, I agree. I, 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 I share the gratitude. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Princess again for her time and sharing her story with us. You may have caught a little bit at the end there, which may have sounded like an editing glitch. I left a little bit of a preview in in here uh, for our October um, episode. Uh, As you know, we do a Five Scary Questions uh, series of episodes in October, and it's a lot of fun. And I will tell you that she has shared probably, probably the best story that we've ever had on this podcast uh, for the Five Scary Questions. So make sure you tune in. Uh, I'm telling you, it is absolutely worth listening to. I'm just frustrated that we have to sit for, uh, I think, I think we recorded this a couple months ago, so uh, about 10 months uh, sitting on this amazing story. Uh, but I assure you, it will be well worth listening to. Uh, but, you know, she is, she is killing it right now. She is doing so much amazing work, and I am so honored to have been able to actually work with her. Um, I can't go into details, but as she had mentioned in the interview, uh, we, we have worked together on something and I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, you know, she's doing a lot of great things right now. And, you know, if you have little ones, um, I'm sure they are familiar with, with what she has done, um, with Molly Denali and Spirit Rangers and, uh, some of the other works that she's doing. So, uh, Princess doing a great job uh, I look forward to what you're going to be doing next because you are you're leading the way for so many of us and I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community so please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person I'm Joe Williams you can find me on our Facebook page and our Instagram page at five plain questions um, you can find us on the plantsart.org website and there you can see our programming our past videos in these podcasts uh, the website also shows the current exhibitions that we are doing, um, and I encourage you to check those out. Swing by the museum, look at the exhibition, and come talk to me. I'd like to be able to, to share some time with you. And if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please uh, look me up, message me, uh, jwilliams at plainsart.org is my email address. Reach out to me, and I let me know who I should be talking to next. All right, well, that's it. You take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.